Hello and welcome to Fibber McGee and Molly from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. The Johnson Wax Program. The makers of Johnson's Wax, Johnson's self-polishing glow coat, present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn, with music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. The show opens with Why? Let me ask you this question. If you're having guests for Thanksgiving, what two things should you do now so you'll be ready to entertain them? Well, of course, one is to order a tender young turkey with all the fixings. That's just about essential. But there's something else that's important, too, especially if you want your friends to carry away a flattering impression of your home. See that your tabletops, sideboard and chairs, and, of course, your floors, are gleaming with a rich protective coat of genuine Johnson's wax. Your silver and fine china will look their very best on a wax-polished surface. And what's more, the tough film of Johnson's Wax will protect the finish. It is this double duty, beauty and protection, that makes Johnson's Wax indispensable to the careful housekeeper. Floors take on new beauty with every waxing, and they're the easiest of all floors to maintain. And besides floors, there are more than 100 extra uses for genuine Johnson's Wax. And by the way, you can buy this famous wax in either the familiar paste or liquid form, or in the new cream wax, especially formulated for furniture and woodwork. Buy some tomorrow. There's nothing more aggravating than to know that your husband knows something that you don't. No? And here at 79 Wistful Vista, one with a secret and one with a consuming curiosity, we find Fibber McGee and Molly. Oh, come on, McGee. What is it? I won't tell. Now, listen. Stop playing hard to get. Oh, okay. Here. It's a letter from your Uncle Dennis. And when you see him, tell him I ain't in the National Guard and I never have been. Oh, does he think you are? Well, the letter says, Dear Molly and that N.G. husband of yours. (laughs) Say, McGee, why didn't you give me this before? Huh? Uncle Dennis wants us to take the train today and visit him for a few days over Thanksgiving. I know. I didn't want to go. Well, why not? Well, in the first place, I haven't got any use for your Uncle Dennis. In the second place, he hasn't got any use for me. In the third place, we hate each other. Well, I like him because he was always so nice to us kids when we were little. Oh, well. Uh, he was always sending us down to the corner on an errand and letting us keep the change. Yeah. Uh, I wonder who's running his errands now. <laughs> and if he's still using that same little tin bucket. Well, you can go if you want to, but I won't. Oh, yes, you will. Now, pack a bag and see what time the train leaves. Go on, now. Hurry. Oh, what's the rush? My bag's all packed. It is? Yeah. I thought you said you weren't going. Mm. Just a routine protest. (laughs) (laughs) I'm no fool. I knew I couldn't get out of it. (laughs) Well, then call up and see what time the train leaves. 
Wait a minute. Maybe he tells us in this letter. He says, you had better leave on the train which pulls out of Wistful Vista at... Where's the next page of this letter, dearie? Hmm, there's only two pages. Well, you only gave me one. I did? Well, shucks, I don't know what I did with the other page. I don't know. I didn't see, I didn't finish reading that letter myself. Oh, McGee, it's you're it. so careless. Oh, Look around for it. Okay. Why does I run upstairs and pack my bag? Well, it's around. But be sure now that... Oh, there, McGee. Hello, Mrs. McGee. Hello, Mr. Gildersleeve. Hi, Gildy. What you want? If you're through with my suitcase, I'd like to borrow it for a few days. I'm taking a little trip. Oh. Well, so are we. And McGee's got his things all packed in your suitcase. <laughs> well, you'll have to unpack it, McGee. I've got to have that suitcase. You've got a lot of nerve, Gildersleeve. <laughs> Barging in here and upsetting our plans like this. One of these days, I'll get a suitcase of my own, and then you'll be sorry. I won't be sorry. I'll be delighted. I'll be ecstatic. <laughs> well, really. Now you know what to do for Mr. Gildersleeve for Christmas, dearie. Buy yourself a suitcase. Come on, McGee. Unpack that bag. I can't, Gildy. Why not? I've already sent it down to the station. Well, all right. You don't mind if I use my suitcase sometime, do you, McGee? Why, shucks, no. Not if you don't mind how it looks. <laughs> I got it pretty well scratched up. <laughs> Where'd you say you was going, Exta- uh, Gildersleeve? <laughs> I'm going to a college reunion. Oh, how nice. Ah, uh, yes. I was Princeton 14, you know. Oh, imagine that, Molly. <laughs> 14 years at Princeton. <laughs> you love the old place, Gildersleeve. <laughs> Don't be like that, McGee. I mean, I graduated in 1914. I was valedictorian. Well, now, that's nothing to be ashamed of. Lots of nice boys worked their way through college. <laughs> Did you get a degree, Mr. Gildersleeve? Oh, yes, yes. I specialized in English lit. <laughs> yeah, so did Uncle Dennis. You ought to hear his English lit. <laughs> You a sorority man, Gil? I, of course not. I was a fraternity man. Oh, you couldn't get in a good sorority then, huh? Sororities are for girls. How could I get in? Did you try? Yes, I did. No! (laughs) I, of course I didn't. Oh, a woman hater. I am not a woman hater. I love women. Oh, a Don Juan, eh? (laughs) I am not! Well, make up your mind, Mr. Gildersleeve. Just what are you? Well, I'm a fraternity. I mean, I'm a man that... Oh, I don't know what I am. (laughs) You've got me so confused, McGee. Your education didn't do you much good, then. You can't even think logical. By George, I know this much, McGee. You better give me back my suitcase one of these days, or I'll know the reason why. So will I. I lost it.
Uh, when we get to Uncle Dennis's, I want you to be nice to him. Ah, the old soak. What do you expect me? Well, just because he has one little weakness. Weakness? You mean strength. That jughead can carry a bigger load than anybody I ever saw. Why, we... Tickets, please. Oh, hello, Johnny. Hello, George. Well, for goodness sakes. Hello, Mr. Oldtimer. You the conductor on the steam shovel? You bet, Johnny. That's me. In there punching every minute. <laughs> <laughs> there you are. You kids going somewhere? Well, now, what would be your impression? No, we're not going anyplace, Oldtimer. We just wanted to go through a few tunnels and see how the other half of the world loves. Oh. <laughs> Johnny, but that ain't the way I heard it. The way I heard it, one fellow says to tell a fellow, says, I see where they're using dance music to drill football teams with. Yes, I know, says tell a fellow. I seen a substitute run up to a referee in last Saturday's game and say, pardon me, may I cut in? <laughs> Imagine that, kids, training football teams to dance music. I can just hear the radio announcer saying, Notre Dame better get busy down there. There's only two minuets left to play. <laughs> oh, I guess that about exhausts the subject. Yeah. And me and you. So long, <laughs> I hate these long train rides, especially to see that old gutter inspector. Who? Your Uncle Dennis. I oh, now, look here, McGee. Oh, yeah. You've been saying unkind things about Uncle Dennis all day long. You know what they say about your family. What you mean? They say there were so many black sheep in your family that on Saturday night they didn't bathe them. Huh? They dipped them. <laughs> now, that's what I call a dirty allegation. And if I ever meet the alligator that started it... And then the promised daughter said, Why, I'm the baby. <laughs> hey, I thought I heard a familiar laugh across the aisle there. Oh, it's Mr. Wilcox. You who, Mr. Wilcox? Well, hello, Molly. Hi, Fibber. What are you doing on this train, Harlow? Oh, just riding back and forth. Riding back and forth. Aren't you going anyplace? Nope. At this point, folks, there should be a sound effect of a faint rustling to indicate Johnson Wax dealers all over the country pricking up their ears. <laughs> Well, if you're not going anyplace, Wilcox, why ride on the train? Well, I'll tell you why. For six years now, you've had all the funny stuff on this show. Huh? Do I have any jokes? No. Well, my goodness, Mr. Wilcox. All I ever say is what a wonderful product Johnson's self-polishing glow coat is for floors and linoleum. Well? How it beautifies and protects against dampness, dirt, and wear. Yes. How it's so easy to use because it shines as it dries with no rubbing or buffing. Right. How it saves hours of housework. And so on and so on and so on. Well, so what? It's absolutely true, isn't it? Of course it's true. I mean every word of it. But is it funny? No. It ain't funny, McGee. <laughs> well, now, listen, Mr. Wilcox. How on earth will riding on trains help you? Why, I can mix with all the traveling salesmen and learn a lot of funny stories. That's how. Ah. Look, Mr. Wilcox. The stories you'll hear from traveling salesmen will only have one effect on your status with this show. What's that? You'll be traveling, salesman. <laughs> oh, all right. Gee whiz. Here I try to improve myself, to make something of myself. And where do I get? Off at the next station. <laughs> so long, folks. <laughs> Pull that stuff on this show. 
This is a family show. <laughs> this is sure a healthy country we're going through, Molly. Yeah. We just passed the grave of a real old man. The stone says he was 121. Really? What was his name? Miles from Chicago. <laughs> Yeah. It's a ripe old joke, too. <laughs> I should have given that one to Wilcox. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I'll go back to smoke and have a cigar. All right, dearie. I'll try and take a little nap. Oh, how do you do, Mrs. McGee? Why, hello, Mrs. Uppington. Won't you sit down? Uh, thank you. No, my dear. I, I'm too excited, really. Oh, what about Mrs. Uppington? Oh, well, I... Uh... Now, now, this is strictly confidential, Mrs. McGee. Yes. Not a word to Miss McGee, you know. All right, I promise. Well, I'm going to a downstate nursery. I'm thinking of adopting a baby. No, not a baby. Yes, a baby. Oh. <laughs> but remember now, not a word to anyone. I, uh, oh, oh, here comes Mr. McGee. I shall be back in a few moments, my dear. Oh, hey, didn't I just see Uppy here? Where is she going? Well, uh... Well, it's uh, it's confidential, but uh, she... Uh, well, she won first prize at the state fair for a patchwork quilt she made, uh-huh. and she's going down to collect the prize. Oh, that's... Oh, nice. back again, Mrs. Uppington? Uh, yes, yes, I... Oh, oh, how do you do? Oh, hi, Uppy. <laughs> I'm so excited I had to get a drink of water. Well, I don't blame you, Uppy. <laughs> so, you finally hit the jackpot, eh? <laughs> You deserve it, Uppy. And you've got a beautiful home to keep it in, too. Now, Mrs. McGee, I thought you promised me you wouldn't tell. I didn't tell, Mrs. Uppington. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Why all the secrecy? Chuck's, I've seen hundreds of them. <laughs> Chuck's, my mother had 12. Yeah, but... Well, my yeah. goodness, Mrs. McGee, does she have... I mean, are they all at home? Oh, I suppose so. They've been laying around the house there for years. <laughs> Chuck's mama was always saving up little three-cornered pieces of cloth for him. <laughs> well, my goodness, I, I should imagine so, but <laughs> for 12 of them, nice. What a responsibility. Oh, dear. Look, Mrs. Uppington, McGee thinks I you... think you're silly if you consider them a responsibility. Why, Chuck's all you... All you got to do is send them out to the wet wash once in a while. <laughs> and just shove them in the closet till company comes. Shove them in a closet? Sure. Oh. There's no trouble. There's only one thing about it, Uppy. It's going to break your heart when you see them getting old and moth-eaten. <laughs> and lumpy in the middle. Oh. Oh. Well, of course, Miss McGee, I'm, I'm so new at this sort of thing. I can only say that I hope as the years go by that it will look more and more like me. <laughs> you do, eh? <laughs> You're a hot sketch, Uppy. <laughs> and I'm sure it will, if only around the edges. <laughs> well, I can hardly wait to see it, but I suppose you'll have it hanging out the window one of these days for an airing. Why, Mr. McGee, what a cruel, heartless, callous sort of man. Huh? Well, I'm certainly glad that you're not his father. Goodbye. <laughs> Did you hear what she said? How could anybody be the father of a patchwork quilt? Well, why not? Huh? Robert Fulton was the father of the steamboat. 
Hello there, my dear. And a happy Thanksgiving to you, my grim little pill. Uh, my little pill grim. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Boomer. Well, if it ain't the secretary of the ulterior, Horatio K. Larceny. <laughs> what are you up to, my fine-feathered jailbird? Those are harsh words, poison pan. And I'm cut to the quick. Fortunately, I have a very slow quick. But to answer your subtle interrogation, I am endeavoring, without much success, to get a small aggregation of travelers together for a game of cards. Would you care to sit in, ragweed? I don't want to play any poker with you, Boomer. And that deck of cards you carry around with you has got 52 jokers in it. Say not so. Say not so. It's true. I have here a deck of cards with a government seal still intact. Now, where I put that deck of cards? Deck of cards, deck of cards. I had them here a moment ago. Here's a letter from my father. Poor old dad, having trouble with his hearing. I told him that lawyer was no good. (laughs) Uh, Here's an article about my friend, Fu Yong, who's running for mayor of Chinatown. Unfortunate fellow. Every time he gets up to make a speech, they egg Fu Yong. (laughs) Here's a photograph of all my classmates in Sing Sing with their ankles chained together. We used to call it the Union Leg Club. (laughs) Very amusing. Now, (laughs) Ah, what's this? A small bore revolver. Did you ever kill a small bore, small bore? There's a handful of chestnuts. Or should I say another handful? (laughs) A deck of cards with a government seal still intact. Well, well, imagine that. No check for a short beard. (laughs) Must have left it in the club car. Well, good day, my dear, and good day to you, sheep shank. King's men sing Easy Go Slim from the Paramount Picture, The Roundup. One, two, three. We had in our outfit the gentle cow hand, as pleasant and kindly and meek as a lamb. When trouble was brewing, it never touched him, and that's why we nicknamed him Easy Go Slim. Now, now, uh, now, now, often my mind on a Saturday night, how down at Joe's barroom they'd stir up a fight, but fighting and shooting ain't easy go style, he'd answer them all with a ten-gallon smile, but, but, but... But once when we went out to round up the strays, it rained without stopping for 41 days. And Slim caught the sniffles, he shivered and froze. Old Easy Go Slim had a cold in his nose. He sniffled and snuffled all over the place. He whooped and he coughed and got blue in the face. He ached in the withers, had pains in his head. But he kept on riding, no feeling half dead. Now, 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 one of the hands got a little bit drunk and figured he'd try to test Easy Go Spunk. But as you'll be hearing, he tried the wrong track, for he gave old Slim a big whack on the back. Then, 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 bang went a six-gun and down the drunk fell. In even less time than it takes me to tell. And there on the trail he was laying out dead, all salted and peppered with Easy Go's lead. Well, 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 
my story of trouble and pain. I'll brighten for 41 days in the rain. And this is the moral we clearly expose. Don't bother a bad with a code in his No, no. I was just sitting here with my eyes closed, oh. thinking how nice it'll be to see Uncle Dennis again. Oh, I wish I could share your joy. But if that old butterfly says... McGee! Hmm? Stop it. You've spent the whole day insulting Uncle Dennis. Well... He never says anything bad about you. No. But I never saw anybody that could put such a nasty significance into a hiccup. <laughs> and if he keeps doing that... To get your feet out of the aisle. Oh, hello there, little girl. <laughs> I'm sorry. By the way, are you enjoying your trip? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I like to take a long train trip once in a while and get away from it all. <laughs> oh, you do, eh? <laughs> sure. Anyway, I got a book with me to read. Oh, what's the book? Aesop's Fable. Oh. Gee, there's some awful dumb stories in it, too. <laughs> Such as which, sis? Well, the fox and the tomatoes, for instance. You mean the fox and the gray apes? No, I made a tomato so the fox could reach him easier. (laughs) He was awful hungry, you know. (laughs) Well, that's a very humanitarian thought, sis. And I think that with proper consideration for the factors involved, you'll detect a very sound psychological basis for the plot. Well, gee, I... Hmm? (laughs) I... Oh, I can't do that again. (laughs) You like the story, sis? No, I don't understand it. Why did the fox want the grapes in the first place? Why, he wanted to eat them. Foxes don't eat grapes, I bet you. <laughs> oh, yes, they do. Oh, no, they don't. Oh, yes, they do. Oh, no, they don't. Oh, well, how do you know? <laughs> you ever have a fox? No, but we got grapes, and the foxes don't eat them either. <laughs> Maybe there aren't any foxes around where you live. Well, I bet you if I was a fox and I like grapes, I'd go where there were grapes, and that's where I live, I bet you. <laughs> well, well, sis, your logic is incontestable. Gee, does it show? <laughs> huh? Hmm? I, look, have you, have you discovered any other inconsistencies in that ageist epic about the fox and the Steinbeck strawberries? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee. You talk so fancy, mister. <laughs> Excuse me, I just asked what else was wrong with the story. Everything the fox said. That's all. Now, in the first place, a fox can't talk, and if he could, he'd fox trot into a restaurant and order himself a ham on rye, I bet you. <laughs> with mustard? <laughs> no, pickle. <laughs> Here, you can have the old book. I'm going back to my seat and read Superman. So long, mister. <laughs> We're slowing down. We must be coming in. Oh, fine. Get the suitcases down, okay. dearie. I hope Uncle Dennis is waiting at the station for us. Yeah. Here we are. Oh, boy. Wait a minute. Oh, I get my Taxi! Taxi! Oh, here, anywhere in the city. Taxi, mister. Oh, thanks, bud. Where do we catch a streetcar, Molly? We don't have to. He huh? lives right next door to the station. Huh? He's an old railroad man, you know. Oh. Oh, that must be why he's always wetting his whistle. Oh, my. Oh, I hope Uncle Dennis will have plum pudding for dinner. No, I hope he don't. 
Last time he served that, it was two plums and a dish of rice custard. Somebody swept off their porch. Wonder he couldn't install a doorbell. Cost a few cents a year to run a doorbell. You can get new skin on your knuckles for nothing. We missed him at the station. I wouldn't miss him at the station or anywhere else. And this is a dirty trick, inviting us down here and then forgetting... Well, as long as we're relatives and are invited, dearie, see if we can get the window open. We should have brung Boomer. (laughs) See, what can I pry that window open? Oh, here's my pocket comb. Hey, what's this? Oh, look, Molly, here's the other page of Uncle Dennis's letter. I had it in my pocket all the time. Well, give it here. Let me read it whilst you open the window. Okay, now let's see. Maybe there's a basement window open here. McGee... Look. What's the matter? Oh, dear. Huh? Listen to this letter you've been carrying all day. Huh? He says, on second thought, I've got a better idea. I'm coming to spend a few days with you. Oh, sure. Fibber and Molly will be back in just a moment. And speaking again of Thanksgiving, don't forget that's the day you'll spend quite a lot of time in your kitchen. Let me suggest that you prepare your linoleum floors for that extra activity by giving them a protective coat of Johnson's self-polishing glow coat. Then you won't have to worry about the extra wear. And you'll be proud of their appearance if your guests come out for a first peek at the turkey. Glow coat preserves the colors of linoleum, keeps them fresh and bright, and actually makes linoleum last much longer. Glow Coat is remarkably easy to use because it's self-polishing, requires no rubbing or buffing. Simply apply and let dry, and in 20 minutes, your floor shines with a beautiful polish, easy to keep clean. Try Johnson's self-polishing Glow Coat once, and you'll always use it. Ladies and gentlemen, the American Red Cross is holding its annual roll call this month, and all of us should join. That's right. The Red Cross needs your help now so that in national emergencies, it can help your needs. Good night. Good night, all. This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat, inviting you all to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. Makes a hard job easy. That's what many thousands of car owners are saying about Carnew, Johnson's sensational new auto polish. Why is Carnew sensational? Because it both cleans and wax polishes your car in one easy operation in half the time these jobs used to take. And the cost of Johnson's Carnew is very low. Try it yourself. Get your car ready for winter by giving it a car new beauty treatment. And you'll say with the other car owners, your car looks like new when you use car new. This is the National Broadcasting Company. This is Chicago, WMAQ. 9 p.m., B-U-L-O-V-A, Bull of the Watch Time.